The Medallion, Chapter 43 Kate lay on her back, her head pounding as a white glow ebbed above her. The last thing she had seen was the surprised face of the high priest as she stumbled out of her hiding place and fell to the ground in front of him. Hitting her head on the rock had returned her to the chamber anteroom. The light overhead dimmed, and a man's voice floated into the small room. The high priest was talking, and Kate could feel the pat of his hands on her shoulders and neck. If he found the medallion, he would take it off and feed her body to his water creature. Kate rolled over and crawled quickly towards the council chamber door. Her head bumped the door and she dove in through the opening, rolled onto her back, tugging the medallion from around her neck and dropping it to the floor. The anteroom door snapped back into place and the high priest's voice died away. Kate lay on the floor, staring at the medallion laying beside her. If she stayed in the chamber, the high priest wouldn't be able to take it. But what if they decided to kill her and make it look like Tirith was dead? Was it true her spirit would be stuck in here forever? The medallion wasn't glowing, and the high priest said she could not be touching it, but did that mean the chain as well? Kate lightly touched one finger to the lynx. The medallion responded with a pale glow, but not the familiar sense of comfort or connection. With the medallion dangling from her hand, Kate stood and turned around. An overpowering sense of deja vu washed over her, for now a large seven-sided stone table dominated the center of the room. Stone stools with a crimson cushion on top waited at the sides of the table. On each of the doors a small curtain hung over the star openings. The pieces of the broken door had been cleaned away and a thick black curtain covered the opening. The curtain moved and Kate ducked down behind the table. The fabric weaved slowly in and out as if the chamber itself were breathing. Kate stood and stepped away from the table. A flicker of light caught her eye. The edge of the star on Morgan's door was glowing along the square piece of black cloth. Kate tugged, but the cloth was wound tight on a thin wire strung across the door. She touched the exposed line of the star peephole, but it didn't open. She would have to take the chance and hold the medallion just for a moment. Reaching up, she touched both the medallion and the edge of the star. A familiar feeling flowed through her hand as the star shape on the door slipped open. At the same time, a band of light by the ceiling pulsed, and Kate dropped the medallion and let it dangle free on its chain. She was turning back to lift the fabric that covered Morgan's star when a voice broke out from behind her. My dearest Kate, it is so good to have you back. Kate dropped the cloth and turned around. A man in a long white robe edged with silver tassels stood just in front of the curtain doorway. A satin hood was over his head and a white veil hung down, obscuring his face. His appearance was dazzling against the black fabric of the curtains. I did not expect you back here until the night. I have not finished getting the chamber ready for you. He moved forward and Kate retreated, keeping the table between them. Ah, I am making you nervous. I do apologize. His white glove hand spread out in a display of regret and gestured to the table. Come, let us sit down and talk for a while. He sat awkwardly on the stool closest to the door, like his body couldn't bend easily. I understand a lot has happened since you were last here. Kate remained standing. Although his voice was soft with a pronounced lisp, Kate now clearly remembered him shouting at her, his bloodshot eyes full of anger. She glanced past him at the door to her anteroom. Running inside and shutting the door wouldn't work. The high priest was waiting for an opportunity to kill her and take the medallion. The white veil rippled as the man sighed heavily. I don't imagine you remember much about your last visit here. You are not doing well because of that terrible black bracelet Corvin put on you to make you do his bidding. 
You were fortunate I was able to find you and set you free from its power. Kate thought back to her and Corvin standing in the castle rocks. She had picked up the black band but refused to show it to him. A more recent memory quickly pushed the old one aside. Corvin had also been beside her when the black bracelet came off. The bump in the high priest's lair was bringing her memories back. You should sit down, Kate. You are tired. Kate lowered herself on the nearest cushion. His voice wasn't demanding, but she felt a desire to obey him, to please him. She found herself rubbing her wrist. He touched the veil over his face. I am sorry I have to wear this, but I'm having some problems with my eyes. But Kate, what has happened to your clothes? When I saw you last, you were dressed in brilliant white, the queen of the chamber. Now you are looking somewhat gray. Has Corvin been unkind to you? Tell me what he has done. Corvin has eaten the seeds and they've changed him, but it's not all his fault. Kate touched her lips. Why did she feel such a strong urge to tell this man everything? I am sorry to hear that. The power of the Lumian changes a person, makes it difficult to believe what he tells you. What has happened with you and Corvin? I'm not completely sure I can trust him. And has he broken your heart and gone after Tirith again? The sympathy in the man's voice brought tears to Kate's eyes. Not Tirith. Now he's interested in a different girl. She swallowed. She is nice and very brave, one of the sisters. Ah, yes. Madame Torig has trained them well. A young man who loves the power of the Lumian Sage might find the strength of the sisters quite attractive. Kate nodded, but his words made her heart ache and she looked down at the table. The symbols around its edge matched the ones on her medallion. She lowered the medallion by its chain onto the table, and the symbols began to light up, their glow spreading out in both directions. The light reached the man, and he lovingly stroked the glow. You are to be commended for protecting the chamber master, the man said. I was hoping you had not given it to Carvin. He is not ready for that responsibility. It must be given to someone with enough wisdom to use it correctly. Everyone seems to think they should have it, but there's no one I can trust. He looked up. Including me? I don't know who you are. The man pushed himself to his feet and clasped the hand to his chest. I am the rightful ruler of the Corps, but I too have been cheated by those around me. They have stolen my ability to govern my people. He touched his gloved fingers to the surface of the table. It was done by Corbin's past father a long time ago. He stole my medallion, the one you are wearing now, and took it to the surface where I could not reach it. That is why I cannot trust Corvin. I believe he has been told many lies about the medallion and that he will try to take it from me once again. Kate lifted the medallion off the table. Corvin hasn't tried to take it away, but the others all have. She pointed to her entry door. The high priest is waiting, and if I go through that door, he'll kill me for it. The white head nodded. Ah, so he is still scheming to take over the car. Such a great tragedy when the people cannot trust their own priests. We will have to do something about that. We can't have you trapped here. No doubt you desire to return to your own home. Yes, I was planning to give the medallion to the high priest if he would help me find a way home. The man shook his head. He can't help you get home. But if you give it to me, I will help you. He pointed to the ceiling. I know of ways to the surface world that others have not discovered. I can help you, Kate, if you will give me the medallion. As he held out a gloved hand, 
Kate was startled by a vivid memory of being pulled toward the broken door by those same gloves. He came one stool closer, and Kate jumped up, running around the table toward her anteroom. Stop! His voice pulled her away from the narrow anteroom door. If you go back there, the high priest will kill you. You know that for certain. Kate turned around. The man sat down on the stool she had just left. Please, come sit at the table with me. I need to tell you something. He waited until she returned to the stool nearest her door. I won't take the medallion away from you. You are a truthful person, and that is how you can be certain that what I tell you now is true. The master medallion has never glowed as strongly for any of the council members in the past, for it absorbs the compassion of its bearer. Search your heart, and let that same compassion tell you if you should save this old man, for if I don't hold my medallion soon, I will most certainly die. Kate glanced across the table. His words had a ring of truth to them, but without touching the medallion, she could not know if he was lying to her. It did appear that the old man was ill and weak from the way he was hunched up on the stool. Please, help me, Kate. I won't last much longer. Kate raised her gaze above the old man. A sliver of light ran along the covering over the star on Morgan's door. If she couldn't go through her own door, she could quickly touch the medallion, open Morgan's door, and escape into his anteroom. She rose to her feet. If you could bring it to me, I would be most grateful. It is difficult to move when you are as old as I. Kate came slowly around the table. Please be very careful not to touch it, the old man said faintly. We can't let the high priest know you are here. Kate's steps faltered as the old man shifted on his stool. Was he actually as weak as he appeared? As she drew near, the old man dropped his veiled face into his gloved hands. His shoulders shook as he cried silently. Kate stepped in behind him. The old man groaned. Kate reached behind her for Morgan's door and wound up the chain until the medallion came within reach of her fingers. Another inch and she could touch both at the same time. The old man reached up and pulled her free hand down onto his shoulder. He drew in a deep breath and she could feel the rasp of his lungs. His head rose slightly. Are you giving it back to me? Kate reached her hand toward Morgan's door, but now it was out of reach. Please answer me, Kate. Will you give the medallion to me? Kate tried to pull closer to Morgan's door, but the old man held her hand tight against his shoulder. If I have the medallion, I can help you, Kate. Do you want to give it to me? Do you want to go home? Home. The word turned Kate's face away from Morgan's door. She held the medallion close and stared through its intricate, interwoven design. The high priest might kill her body at any time. Maybe the only way to get home was to give it to this old man. Kate turned, and the medallion dangled in close to his hood. Yes, I do want to go. A glove flashed in the air, and the chain of the medallion bit into Kate's hand, jerking her forward onto the table. The medallion was yanked from her grasp, and her head swirled as the old man shoved her to the center of the table. She could not resist. The old man rolled her over on her back and stood over her, the medallion clutched in a wrinkled black hand. You cheated me. It took all of Kate's will to force each word out. No, my dear. What I said was true. I need the medallion to live, and I needed you to be willing to give it to me so the power you have stored inside it would not be lost. 
Unfortunately, what will save my life will cost you yours. While I hold the medallion, your connection to the place where your body lies is severed, and your spirit is trapped here. Am I dying? Kate raised a hand toward the man. It was translucent, the bone showing through like an X-ray. Your body will eventually die, but your spirit will remain here for some time. I'm not completely sure how it works. No one has ever come back from death to tell us what happens on the other side, and I'm not ready to find out. That is why I needed you to give me the medallion. You stole it from me. No, Kate. The medallion belongs to me, and you have given it back. I cannot make it glow on my own, for as you now understand, I have no compassion left in my soul. Kate turned her face away from him. With the medallion gone, she felt no compassion either. She hated him for what he had just done. Don't give up hope, Kate. I need you to stay strong while we wait to see if Corvin will come to your rescue. He is the only one who can help you now. The question is, will he run again to save Tyrus' life, or will he come to you? That boy does struggle with loyalty. He will help those he loves, Kate murmured. The old man cackled. And I know exactly who that is. Like me, he loves himself more than anyone else. He may pretend to care about you. He might even do something nice for you every so often. But it's all calculated to give him more of what he wants. None of us can be trusted, not one. His footsteps echoed in the room as he walked around the table, and Kate closed her eyes. She didn't even want to look at him. Ah, that's a good girl. You will need to save your strength while we wait for Corvin. You rest, and I will stay close by. His cloak rustled past her, followed by the swish of curtains over the broken door. Kate opened her eyes just in time to see the sliver of the glowing star on Morgan's door fade away. The lights in the chamber died off, and Kate was alone in the darkened room. Her only hope was that Morgan had been listening in and would find some way to rescue her. <laughs>